A lot of tech talk in oil and gas today is about breaking down barriers and building bridges. ITOT convergence is an easy headline, but just how many things are we trying to bring together and does it really work? An industry under pressure, innovation in its finest hour. This is the Oil and Gas Technology Podcast, where sharp minds reveal the brilliance and sheer determination turning great ideas into new realities. Hear about how it happens in real life with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. The views of the host are expressly his own and should not be construed as the views of Nutanix or any other corporation, consortium, governing body, or interplanetary federation. Hey everybody, welcome back. We are sitting here today at the fabulous Cannon on the west side of Houston, where I think we got a cold front coming in. So hopefully tomorrow it's going to be not as hot as it was today, but a little sweaty just getting in here. I got a great guest today and a great topic. Before we get to that, reminder that please leave us a review. Reviews are the way that we know whether you like what we're doing or not. It's, it's the main way that we find out. So if you like what we're doing, leave us a good review. Those are nice. If you think we could be doing better, leave us a bad review, but make sure that you tell us what you think we ought to be doing better. So please take a minute and do that in your, in your podcast app. Also, I want to give a quick thank you to our sponsor, Cognite. I'll say a little bit more about them later, toward the end. And now we get to our guest. I'm sitting here with Gino Hernandez. How's it going? It's going well. <laughs> it's Michael, cool. how are you? I'm, I'm great. We're laughing because we've just been sitting here like chatting for the last 30 minutes about other random things. So let me give you a chance to... So we're, what we're talking about today is about ITOT convergence, analytics at the edge, things like that. It's a popular topic. You've already heard other other folks talk on this show talk about that from different angles. I think what we have today is a really kind of an interesting take on that. It should be interesting for folks. Let's start though, Gino, who are you and what do you do? <laughs> sure. I've asked myself that question yeah. quite often. <laughs> yeah. Gino Hernandez been here with ABB now for about six months. Prior to ABB, had a start in the IT world working for IBM, worked for IBM for a number of years then moved to, decided I wanted to get out of the IT world and move more into the operations side of, of tech. And so I moved over to a company that's, that's well-known called Rockwell Automation. Heard of them. Oh, yeah. 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 Great company. They're a great group of people to work with. Started with them working in the U.S., then moved over to China, did some things for them in China, and then came back over here to the States. And in the end, I ended up running the, the global oil and gas business for Rockwell during my final days. And then there was a unique opportunity that presented itself to start up a IoT software company. And I always had this perspective that over time, things were going to move to open standards because I, I was early enough with IBM to watch the kind of the creator of the mainframe. There's a lot of people that will agree with you on that oh, yeah. right now, I think, yeah. Yeah, I was at IBM during the creator of the mainframe and, and what replaced it, Unix. Right. And so when I was at Rockwell, when Do they- still have like a- like an AS400 in your garage that you use as a freezer? Or something, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I think, you, in. I think yeah. you put a body in it. <laughs> it's been good for those things are pretty big. But they were all proprietary. And I saw what happened with Unix servers and then, you know, with Linux coming. And I thought that looking at PLCs, PLCs are still kind of a proprietary frontier. And so I came to the conclusion that, you know, one day this world's going to change. Now with, you know, IoT Edge devices, Linux software. And I thought, you know, there's something interesting going to happen here. And so I jumped out of Rockwell and I started my own software company, kind of developing edge technology, developing. And you were in 
like we're sitting right next to the office where oh yeah we were. exactly it's, it's, fu- it's funny because as you walked up i was like we used to have an office here yeah yeah <laughs> it's a great place to have an office i'll do another little canon plug here because these oh, guys yeah. are so great and it's it's in a nice little quiet spot over here it's easy to get in and out you're really not far from things but but they're great people and it's a it's a great i will tell you this just to give them a plug it's a great place with very interesting people all kind of driving towards that kind of steam startup culture and community so everyone kind of steps in and helps each other and then you know, walk in the halls and stuff you meet some really interesting people so it's good from that perspective it is too. it is it's it's great so anyway so you had a software company they were right over there in that little booth then we got that up and running got it well got it funded and then decided to move to the board and then i started up tech services company Got that up and going, focused again in the IoT space since that's a, a space that I know really well, doing analytics work and that kind of still focused in oil and gas. And I moved over to ABB and within ABB, I sit in the IAEN division. We're the largest division within ABB and uh, we're focused on the energy sector, right. really focused on oil and gas, chem refining, renewables, pharmaceuticals. That's kind of, that's the area that IAEN focuses and I'm responsible for the digital business globally. And so I'm responsible for the strategy, direction, execution, and really driving success and driving the digital message throughout the IAEN organization. Yeah, it sounds like you're in the right place. So I want to pause on something that's it's not in our notes. But so your little history there, I think this might be interesting for a lot of listeners who have been involved in technology, maybe for some period of time. You know, I've talked to people, you hear this all the time, right? People that work for big companies and they say, I'd kind of like to try to do a small company thing, but you know, they're kind of apprehensive. And the other way around too, right? People who say, oh, I'm really a small company guy. I don't think I could go work for a big company. And you've made the jump like back and forth from big company to small company to big company. So it is possible, right? And you don't look too much worse for wear. Just like looking <laughs> at it, you seem like you've had an okay life. So could you say that that's not an impossible thing to do? Oh, Michael, I, I wear it well, man. <laughs> There's some sleepless nights in there. I'll, there yeah, I'll, but I'll making t- that culture that oh, culture yeah. shift is oh, yeah. not is not impossible. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I find it valuable for people that kind of start off in large companies and then move to small. Where I see it go catastrophic the other way is when the person is starting off and kind of learns their their skill in the small company and then tries to go big because. That DNA uh, of okay. large complex matrix understanding you have to get buy-in right, from right. all that all you know people within the organization and you can't just yeah, jump. Yeah, kind of it kind of falls on them like a piano. Right? Ex- yeah, exactly, yeah. and I see that's where I see people struggle when they're transitioning from both going both directions. But I see it more so people struggling when they start off small and then try so to go starting back. with a big company going to going to the small then going back to the big isn't so bad because you because you have done actually you know when I think about it I've I've sort of done the same thing so yeah. It did take me a little while when I went back to a big company after being with Smalls for a while. It took me a little while to remember like how that works. Oh, yeah. How you need to sort of connect with people and move things around and, and do stuff. Oh, but, abso- absolutely. Yeah. It takes you a second to get your sea legs back. Yeah. You know, to yeah, get your sea legs. Put it, right? Yeah, yeah for so sure. Interesting. So we have an active elevator behind us today. It's not, it hasn't usually been a problem, but I'm sure that our wizard audio editor will fix all that later. All right. So let's get into the topic. I think I said this before, but there's a lot of talk about IT, OT convergence right now in the industry in different, even in different segments, right? So it's, you know, out in the Permian where people are developing and producing in refineries, they're looking at it, right? Even in some midstream operations, this idea of bringing IT 
the world of IT and the world of OT, which have historically been separate, and we could do a whole show on that, right? Mm -hmm. Bringing them together, there's good reasons to bring them together. And you guys, I read somewhere that you also have this concept of ET, mm -hmm. right? Not the little guy with the glowing finger, but, yeah, yeah. but ET. So how many things are we, you know, talking about converging here? How many different things are we trying to bring together? <laughs> sure, sure. You know, it's really hundreds, if not thousands of things, if you will. Yes, it's it's systems. I was hoping you were going to make it simpler. Right now, <laughs> yeah. but now it, we're up to thousands. Oh, yeah. I'd like, you know, I'd like to <laughs> tell you it is it is simple, but if it was simple, it'd already be done, Everybody right? Everybody would be doing it. Right, exactly. It'd already be done. Yeah, but yeah. it's really... It's looking across those landscapes, you know, your engineering platforms, your operation platforms, your business platforms. And where we've been up to this point is most companies have really invested in niche applications that are addressing very specific problems in each of those areas. And so now, as we look to go to that next phase of analytics and optimization, at the, you know, at the enterprise level, it's really now, how do we get all of those niche applications to play nice together? Mm. How do we begin to capture that data and do some interesting things with it? And then now how do you solve broader business problems versus solving really siloed and specific business problems? And as we move in that direction, that's really where ABB is focused. And that's really where the GenX platform, the platform that we've, we've launched here recently, that's really where GenX is focused. It's really pulling together that operational optimization with business optimization pull those systems together because if you can optimize both and they begin to optimize each other, that's where you begin to do something that's real significant and interesting. Yeah, that sounds kind of matrixy actually. But so what you're saying is we should really stop thinking in terms of these domains of IT and OT and ET and element OP and whatever, like, and just think of it as what's the whole universe of applications that we need to and data sources and whatever the things are right mm -hmm. and just think of it stop thinking of it in those compartments think of what business problem are we trying to solve and what are all the parts and pieces involved in solving that right? that's correct that would be a better way to so you mentioned analytics by the way that, that's a tough culture change like that thing i just said is like really easy oh to say. yeah it's easy to say <laughs> but, very hard to do but it's kind of like starting up a company yeah it's not so <laughs> not for the faint of heart sure so you mentioned analytics. These conversations always come around to analytics. Everybody's focused on it. I mean, even before we started thinking about IoT and analytics at the edge, I'm thinking just a few years ago, five years ago, there were some operators who were trying, wrestling with, you know, predictive analytics and prescriptive analytics and trying to like get their data sources together and figure out how to do that. But when we talk about this, but there's a big emphasis on it now, and especially in these operational environments, this is data that we're doing analytics on. Mm -hmm. Like it's not new data, right? Mm -hmm. It's been out there for a long time, yeah. you know? Why weren't we doing this before? Oh, uh, sure. Mainly the big thing has been there's two components. One, systems were siloed. Everything wasn't networked together. Now everything's starting to be networked together. We're getting through that. That's kind of yesterday's news, right. if you will. And we got the 5G out there. Oh, yeah. Everything and, uh, the right, promise and, of 5G. Yeah. If you, yeah, yeah. But you only got, you got to be really close to make that happen yeah. <laughs> to the transmitter. But no, we're headed in the right direction from a bandwidth, a high-speed sure. bandwidth perspective. Yeah. But, you know, the other aspect of it is edge computing has really moved at a very fast rate here in the last five, 10 years. And that's what's also making a difference because now what we're able to do is we're able to do analytics at the edge and we're able to provide customers environments to where those edge environments are nimble enough to where you can write interesting algorithms, complex algorithms, and you can start deploying them on 
disconnected systems that are on, you know, a 3G, that in a G, 3G network or a serial radio network and be able to have that actual, you know, edge component in component yeah. be, begin to optimize itself and then feed you results and those types of things. So it's really... But wait, I thought that's what the cloud is for, right? Aren't we supposed to just oh, take yeah. all the data and put it in the cloud? And, oh, yeah, and for do sure. all that analytics. But, but you don't always want everything in the cloud, right? There's yeah. some things that you just want the result of what's right. happening at the, the, the exceptions. Right? Yeah, the yeah. exceptions, the result, very specific things, because you don't want to, you know, there's some sensors that you don't need to feed every element of that sensor into yeah, this the is cloud. no small amount of data. Oh, this is no about, small right? amount of yeah. data. Right? And, and, so you you want to be selective. Right. Okay. So now we have the ability to actually do this processing out there and deploy these. Well, actually, yeah, how do we? I mean, because you're, hitting, you're going in the right, right direction. Like we have, so I'm thinking through this, right? So we've got some computers out there already. They're not great ones yeah. most of the time, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They're like, you know, they've been running out there a long time and yeah. and it has to be this box because it's the only one that has like this connector on it that goes to that metal box over there that does the thing, right? So we're not going to deploy all these fancy services to that equipment. Mm -hmm. And I'm guessing that ABB has got a, a solution for this. You're probably not the only one, but how is that being done today? Sure. And you're headed in the absolute right direction is where this thing needs to go next, right? Right. As we look at optimization of disconnected systems with connected systems. And that is, you really need the ability as you begin to optimize components and pieces of equipment and you begin to optimize them together, you want to be able to, to, to reach out and manage those things together. So since we're in the oil and gas business, it's looking at a well pad and then looking at a group of well pads and then looking at running analytic optimization at not only one wellhead, but multiple wellheads, then looking at an entire field and then being able to do interesting things with those algorithms around moving, beginning in to optimize things as a group instead of things as a silo or things as a standalone system. Because in the past, what was a limiting factor is we had to go out and touch all of these things individually in order right. to optimize. Now we're getting with technology that ABB's developed we're able to actually look at groups of assets, fleet of assets, regions of assets, and begin to push out change and optimize things, not only as a, as a single standalone unit, but as a group and a larger system. And that's where things are really starting to change. And that's what the things that like GenX is able to help our customers right. begin to do. So that sounds very glossy. Sure. And I'm going to pretend, pretend I'm an asset manager, mm -hmm. right? And I think my response would be, okay, like if I were an asset manager in the, in the Permian or that sounds great, but you're talking in the abstract sure. and I'm running a concrete operation out here. So give me an example of like what kind of, you know, these optimizations, like what kind of optimizations are you talking about and how would they impact, you know, what I'm doing? Yeah. Right? In, oh, like sure. in real life. Sure. One problem, and I'm going to talk to you like you're the operations manager for a field in the Permian. One problem I know you have is looking at wellhead and looking at valve optimization on the wellhead. We know that's a problem for you. Right. We can help you there. You're looking at slug mitigation on your separators. We know that's a problem for you. We can help you there because those, those are complex algorithms that you need to begin to write. And you could potentially do it in a PLC and ladder logic, but it becomes as you want to push it out across and you find an algorithm that that works or, for you. Yeah, you want to use it everywhere else. You want right? to use it everywhere else. Right, right. That's where it becomes a problem because doing that in a standalone PLC becomes very problematic. Sure. So now you want platforms that that you can not only test on one wellhead or on one well pad to make sure it works. Once you fill out once you figure out what the secret 
formula is for the for the production of that asset and optimizing the production of that asset, you now want to push it out to regions that are connected to that same reservoir. Right, so you, and you want to do it not just one. You know, like, like it's not so hard to push it out the first time, but every time the really smart you know person who's coming up with like they're going to find him ways to improve oh, you're that algorithm, improving. right? Mm-hmm. And then you got to keep updating those things in all these places and make sure you got the latest version and et cetera, right? Exactly. So, so it's uh, one to many management. It's, it's being, like sending zip files around with, oh, like, yeah. <laughs> with code in them is yeah. not the yeah. way to do oh, it. Oh, yeah. So having the guy in the truck <laughs> run and touch it every well, you know, a thousand well heads isn't very yeah, efficient. Yeah. And so we're getting away from that. We're being able to write algorithms and, and analytics that we could push to groups, regions of assets. And yeah. that's, what's, that's where the big change cool, is starting to happen. Cool. So, and is it really happening? Like, is this one of those things that like those fancy tech guys talk about, but like, I ain't seen it out here yet. Like, is it, do you see this like really, it's it's still like in the conceptual stage or is it actually coming to fruition? No, it's it's, it's coming to fruition now. People can do it now. But to your point, people are just now starting to get comfortable with the tech. They're starting to get comfortable with the edge devices. Ed's device, you know, I was developing my own edge device some four years well, ago. Who wasn't? Yeah, we, because there wasn't there wasn't an option that was yeah, out there, yeah. right? Because you know, back then you needed industrial rated, you needed UL, you needed to be able to handle the cold, cold and the hot, hot, you know, the Permian, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so you need to be able to. And there wasn't a lot of manufacturing options that were available. Now you can buy. You, there's people that are making them right. by the by the thousands, by the ten thousands, and there's multiple you know different options that you can choose from yep. so with that now you're able to have that compute platform that you can push yeah, yeah. you can have an in software load that is able to accept that push right. and now you can begin to do those interesting things that we're talking about so we're there now cool good good so that's i mean because the stakes are high right now right oh, yeah. like we mentioned the permian a couple of times especially there the stakes are high but even in other regions and other types of assets it's not like you know we talk about the industry being under pressure in fact i think it's in my little intro it says the industry is under pressure but oh yeah but from multiple forces right so oh, sure. so we have the we have the economic like just the basic financial pressures coming from and we never really got over 2014 2015 mm-hmm. i mean we got to where we got to where okay everybody like they didn't really spend money on the tech, right? They kind of shut down all that stuff and they just used all the traditional methods to tighten their belts and make operations more efficient. Mm-hmm. And that got us to where, okay, like we can survive on $50 oil, right? And yeah. $50 crude. But that wasn't really good enough for the investor community. Mm-hmm. So so you still had to do better than that. And that's when the industry started saying, I guess we got to look at this digital stuff and oh, find yeah. out what that's all about. So you're in the heat of, in the throes of trying to figure out how to do these, with these deal with these new innovations and how to create business value. And then we get, you know, the most recent series of yeah. blows to the <laughs> system. So the pressure is huge. The stakes are high. Oh, and I left out we're also supposed to be transforming and transitioning to, you know, new energy, clean energy, renewables. Oh, yeah. You know, so oh, yeah. Op- and I mean, operators are now like oil companies are now embracing the notion that we're an energy company. Right. Yeah. And we need to be more integrated and things like that. So with all of that going on, the stakes are high. People have to pursue these initiatives. Mm-hmm. The fact is. They just don't have a whole lot of money to spend right now, given the current environment. Sure. So, like, I get it. I need to do this stuff. My budget is, like, really tight. Yeah. I need to high-grade 
these things and make smart decisions about like they're giving me two dollars now, and if I turn those two dollars into four dollars, you know, then yeah. I'm going to get another two dollars. So, how do you advise people, or how do you help people kind of look at their operations and figure out where to start? What's you know how to get some quick ROI, some quick hits, and be able to show some results fast? Because nobody is ready to go off on some new long technology implementation project. Yeah. Right? Like, those, there's no those, appetite for that. Yeah, there's no, there's, you couldn't be more right, Michael. There's no. I try to always be as right as. Oh awesome. yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> so, you're doing a, you're doing a good job right, right now. But yeah, so you're out there. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm just sitting here doing a podcast, but you're out there talking to people about this, sure. you know, looking at like at the blank faces going, where do I start? How do I take the little bit of money I have and oh, yeah. do something with it? Oh, absolutely. I like the question because it, you know, those big, large digital transformation projects, those were so three, four years ago yeah. in the oil and gas the sector. Roadmaps, the yeah. roadmaps. Yeah. They're, they're not doing that anymore. No. You know, every, in fact, every oil and major oil and gas company had, you know, some this digital transformation strategy right. that doesn't exist. The only company that I really see, I mean, out there on the front end of doing that is BP. Well, I mean, they're completely changing the way that they're, yeah. that they're yeah, taking yeah. Right, their, right, the right. direction that they're taking their company. So what we're kind of left with now are customers that are looking at very specific things that can drive very specific value. And they, to your point, they know they're going to get a return on it. Right. And so, you know, it's anywhere from looking at, you know, compressors and compressor optimization, it's gas injection optimization. It's, you know, it's those types of things where they know they're going to get a significant amount of value from yeah. that. That's where the focus is. It's not doing large system type things that we were talking about earlier, but what I do find that customers are wanting to do is they are wanting whatever bet they make, they want to make sure that the bet that they make is scalable. And mm. so that is what, what they are willing to talk about. So yet they're looking at, they're looking at platforms, but they're looking at platforms from the perspective of, I'm going to solve a specific problem. And I want that platform to be scalable. I want it to be able to scale down. Yeah. Or I want it to be able to scale up. And because they know eventually we're going to, at some level, get out of this. So it's an interesting point because I think this year in March, somewhere around there, McKinsey put out a paper mm -hmm. or an article and they said that, I forget the numbers now, but it was some significant portion of digital transformation initiatives stall out. They didn't say fail. Mm -hmm. They said stall during scaling. Mm -hmm. And so my read on that is that sometimes and people have heard me say this before, but sometimes what works beautifully in the lab has a little trouble yeah. like in the wild, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the POC can do some amazing things. I mean, I saw this happen one time at one of the more well-known mid-sized independents here in Houston a couple of years ago where somebody came up with this brilliant like data science analytics solution and they showed it to a couple of, you know, to a couple of asset managers and they said, that's fantastic. We want that, you know, in this field, in this field, and we want it here, and we want it here, and we want it here. And the guy was like, it took me 30 days just to get the data together on this thing, right? And I don't know how to actually deploy the results out to people, right? Like, So how do you get these scalable platforms? You know, people need to future-proof mm -hmm. their decisions and know that we're going to work this thing out, but it's going to work when I get it out there in the complexity of my real world, right? Yeah. So 
what do you think about that? Oh, no, sure. <laughs> like, yeah. Right? No, like, absolutely. I know I, know I kind of went off on a, on a whole ramble there, but that's the thing, right? Like, because if you don't, if you can't do that, then you're not going to get the business value from your digital initiatives. They're not going to do the thing that they that you set out to do, right? You have to be able to scale it and operate it and support it over time out there in the wild. Yeah. No, I agree with everything you're saying. And that does happen quite often to customers. And then, you know, the biggest challenges around project management becomes uh, is a challenge yeah, for a lot yeah. of customers. And, you know, with ABB, we have our adaptive project execution model, which helps ensure that projects are successful. So that's one element of it. The other aspect of it is you need a platform like, or that is able to handle different things that are coming at it just to keep it, keep from going too techy. But you needed a platform that is going to be able to fit a, a bunch of different scenarios because what you're going to run into and I ran into this with a number of customers is that pilot was built in this lab environment and we anticipated all of these, all of these variables. Well, yeah, guess what? Right, right. When you get out into the field and you start hitting all of these other assets, you begin to run into PLC systems that you didn't, that you didn't plan for. You begin to run into, you know, different, you exactly. know, you that's, know. that's a, Yeah. That's a much more concise way of saying that, that I was just trying to say. Oh it's, yeah. It's very, that's oh. what happens. It's, oh, it's it, very get out there and it's different, right? And so what you need to do is you need to get a platform that's has the ability to mold to the situation that it's in. Open standards is a great way to, it's a great way to go is the ability to configure and ingest any type, you know, for the most part, any type of data structure that you're going to run into and be able to integrate, you know, into any, most likely any environment, or we can figure something and pick a partner that can help you figure something out, right? Because that's what's key. Get a good project execution, get a partner that can help you figure it out, and get a platform that is customizable, if you will, to fit the so situation that you're, yeah, you can mold it kinda into like, it. Kind of like the first Terminator was okay for that first mission, right? Oh, Terminator, yeah. But this, but but eventually they you know that didn't that didn't work everywhere so they had to send the guy that was like was like liquid gold right mm-hmm. and he could like change his shape and go wherever he needed to go yeah man. so uh, yeah absolutely well so you mentioned working with a good partner and i think this is another thing too that companies have to deal with is i was working leading some small software companies recently as well and we always thought that we had an advantage over the big companies because big companies don't innovate right and <laughs> <laughs> And Be careful. And they don't do anything, you know, and, and so, and it is true that some of the larger, more prominent operators are starting to actually engage with small innovators that they never would have before. I yeah. mean, I can say that about ExxonMobil because they say it openly. They've got a whole team of people right now who's, that it's their job is to explore those things. Yeah, yeah, but, absolutely. And those are great for the innovation part, mm-hmm. but the actual making it happen in the real world, that's where, you know, in my mind, a company like ABB, you've got, like, you have depth and breadth. Yeah. In, in this part of the industry, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you were responsible for making this stuff work yeah, before you absolutely. had all this fancy tech, right? So how does that help you? And, and you have the breadth in, in your own background. Yep. How does that help you go out there and create, you know, in some people's mind, that might be like, oh, you know, they're old thinking, you know, they're not, you know, they're not with the like ABB, oh, they've been around a hundred years and they're not really, they can't be innovating anything, right? How do you overcome that sort of mindset when you're out there talking to people? Sure. I love this question, actually. This one came out of nowhere. No, 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 Michael. I actually love the question (laughs) because a couple of things. One is I ran a small tech company. We came up with some really great tech, 
But if an ExxonMobil or a Shell ever came up and said, we need to go big, we were in trouble. Yeah. Because there's no way. And big is just like a little bit. Oh, big. The, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> little, yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah. yeah. It's just small big is a problem. It could be a problem. Right? Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. And so that's what ExxonMobil's and the Shells, they've all got these tech incubation groups that come in and evaluate emerging tech. Right. The biggest feedback that I get from even working with them, they said, what would you do if we do- dropped a thousand well-pad order on you tomorrow? And I would say, we'd figure it out, but we'd be stressing. Yeah. You know, because yeah. it's the truth, yeah. right? right? What I like about the way ABB is handling digital in the IA group, and that's the group that we we sit inside of the IA. I sit inside of IAE, IAEN, which is the, <laughs> I know it's a lot of words coming at you. Like, but you can't even say it. I know, yeah. I'm still getting, hey, to, to my rest of my ABB colleagues, I'm still getting used to the, uh, the names. But what I like about the IA Digital Initiative is that they've kept that group as a kind of a startup within ABB. And so when I was looking at coming over and they said, hey, you know, we, we're going to be looking at emerging tech. We've got this new product, GenX, coming out. We like you to come help us kind of run that and launch it and, and get mm. it and get that business right, going. Right. And when I looked at the tech, being someone who's started up my own software company, I looked at it and I go, holy smokes, this isn't what I was expecting from an yeah, ABB. Right. The group moves fast, very much like my own software company when I was running. What I liked about IA Digital and what they're what we're doing with GenX, it's very entrepreneur. It's driven by someone who is actually comes from the tech startup background like myself. So that was very attractive when okay, I was cool. coming. Yeah. So this group is nimble. If a customer brings us a problem and we believe our platform can help them address that problem, yeah. we can converge and go fast. That's really good. I'm glad we kind of uncovered that because I think I think it is something that a lot of, and just the some of the clients and customers that I've worked with just the last couple of years who have, I can see that they're kind of, trying to decide like do i go with the big trusted company because nobody ever got fired for hiring oh, those yeah, guys yeah. or do i go with the new stuff these new guys and this new innovations that they're coming out with but wow i don't know if they can really deliver so i think that's an important thing for people to understand oh, yeah. and you know it's easy for you to say it it's harder for abb to do it yeah. but as a guy coming from the small company startup background i th- i think you would oh you abs- would you'd be able to see if you must have some confidence. Right? Oh, and for sure. The confidence well. is there. The teams are there. The tech, the emerging tech component is there, but it's all in, it's housed in a large company. So if ExxonMobil calls us up and says, hey, can you, and right. can you go global? Right. For us, it's not a problem. Yeah, sure. We Good. can do it. You know, some of these other tech companies that they may be looking at in their tech incubation group, it's not realistic. It's right. And then they got to partner with somebody. I mean, I know because we try to do and this. And then they got to worry about financial stability. Large integrators and all the, yeah. So yeah, it becomes a mess real quick messy. to handle. It is messy. And the lines of accountability start to get a little blurry. Yeah. Like, who's you, really you, on the you, hook for what? Right? And you remember you yeah. talked about those projects that fail when they scale. Yeah. That's a great example. Uh, and all the finger pointing starts. Yeah. And that's probably a good place to wrap it up. But thanks for coming over here today, coming out into the real, in real life. And, oh, yeah. No, sitting here. Trip down memory lane for sure. Um, yeah, cool. All right, I'm going to wrap this one up. There's a few things that, as you all know, I need to make sure that I say. First of all, thanks to Cognite, our sponsor. And if you're not familiar with Cognite, look them up. They are talking about innovation. These guys are innovating, and they're doing amazing stuff with industrial data. 
and adding context to it in very interesting ways and making it more intuitive and making it more usable. And we all know that industrial data could use a lot of help becoming more, more usable. Also, still doing the tech product reviews. If you want us to, to do, to review any sorts of gadgets or pieces, you know, it's got to be something that fits through the front door or at least in the garage door. We no big iron or anything like that. But if you want to send us products to review, we'll do a review. We'll talk about it on the show. We will keep the stuff, just so you know. And also, I need to mention the street team, which Warren at OGGN, Warren Spiewak is leading the street team. And that's a great way to get involved if you want to just get involved with something and get involved with OGGN, with the industry. They're not really on the real streets right now. They're kind of on the virtual streets, but there's a LinkedIn group that you can find. This will all be in the show notes. And so you, you can find out all the info there. Also, I almost forgot, speaking of show notes, there's going to be information about Gino and ABB in the show notes, but... You need to tell me what that information. So, so you thought you were done. He was he was walking away, but I got to call him back. So, <laughs> if people want to learn more about this, about what you're doing, about you, about ABB, about this Genix thing that you kept talking about, where do they look? Yeah. So, ABB.com, best place to go. Genix, Is it really? Because like a lot of big companies, oh websites yeah, aren't the best yeah. Place to go. No, no, we do a pretty good job with our website relative to most large companies. Okay. So you can find what you're looking for with us. Okay, great. But it's definitely, you want to get into the Genix side and explore on the Genix. Genix. No, that's okay. Not a problem. <laughs> For myself, I'm on LinkedIn. If you can't find me through ABB, you can always ping me on LinkedIn and I'll right, respond cool. to you. I don't always check LinkedIn, so give me a couple of days to get back to you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll put a link to your LinkedIn and ABB and stuff in the show notes. And that is it for real. I just want to mention you can connect with OGG and the Oil and Gas Global Network. There's a brand new website that we just launched. It's beautiful. There's a picture of me on it, but in spite of that, it's still beautiful, I think. And that's oil and gas, OGGN.com. And we also have a LinkedIn group where there's lots of people who do post interesting things. So check that out. And that is it for today. And I'll wrap up with this famous tagline that I think Mark LaCour originated on this show, which is that we are making sure that you don't get left behind one episode at a time. And here are the events on deck. Happy New Year, everybody. It's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for January 2021. This month, we only have three events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. First up, we have our two in-person events, the OCI East Houston Chapter Luncheon at the Monument Inn on the 5th, and the Houston Chapter Energy API Meeting at the Petroleum Club on the 14th. The only online event we have this month is the Prefab Connect from the 26th to the 29th. Other than these events, OGGN may be hosting some more live streams this month, so make sure to check out our Facebook, LinkedIn, or our website for more information about any of the live streams we have coming up. If you have any questions about the events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for January. I hope you guys have a great month and thanks for tuning in. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.